and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Back in 2012, my husband Rick and I adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle and together we lost over 130 pounds. And now I coach others who wish to improve their health or lose weight. And I'm glad that you're here. So please, you can click like, share. You can even post comments and questions for our guests. Tell us where you're from. You could even type in, be strong, be well, and be green. Just Ted's voice. Let's welcome back our guest. Elizabeth Fontaine, MD, is double board certified in OBGYN and lifestyle medicine. Dr. Fontaine is passionate about using a whole food, plant-based diet and other lifestyle medicine modalities to help people get healthier, get off medications, and live longer, fuller lives. Please click like and share to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine. Greetings and welcome back, Dr. Fontaine. It's so nice for me to be here. I love the uh, video entry of me. That woman that has the fire going up at the front. I couldn't, you know, I had to laugh a little bit. This is so good. Perfect. Thank you. What a good introduction. Well, I'm telling you, I think that there are women that actually feel like that cartoon in in the intro where they feel like there's actually... It, you know, it, I, I'm just laughing, but it is such a perfect oh. introduction. So oh, yeah. you nailed it. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're back. You've been on before, and we're going to put links to the other broadcasts that you've done with us. Tell us about your qualifications for today's broadcast. You're an MD, but tell the audience about what qualifies you to especially talk about menopause. Well, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, and obviously a gynecologist is most likely what people are thinking, and also the plant-based. So um, as an OBGYN, uh, I had the privilege of working with women, and uh, a lot of my women were in menopause age. And if not, they were the people that I had followed during their pregnancy that now were becoming with, you know, uh, menopause age. Um, so therefore, you know, having the chance to study uh, gynecology where, I mean, obviously we study and work quite a bit with uh, menopause. So that's one thing. And then to discover the, uh, you know, board certification in lifestyle and the importance of your diet, more specifically whole plant food-based diet, that has not an impact, a positive impact, not only on chronic disease, reversal and improvement, um, but there is also the fact that it helps quite a bit women in many different uh, problems that they encounter in their life. And menopause is one of them. So that's the reason, you know, uh, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm qualified to have a good discussion with your uh, people today and you. <laughs> yes, I'm really excited. And I feel that it's so wonderful that you not only um, are qualified as a physician, in your medical school learning, but also as the fact that you are a lifestyle medicine doctor and you have adopted plant-based lifestyle and you promote it and you try to utilize it in helping people to overcome a lot of different lifestyle diseases and also to help with menopause. So I wanted to start off with a fun fact. I learned that there are only five mammals which live past reproductive years, and that's Beluga whales, narwhals, short fin pilot whales, killer whales, and humans. 
<laughs> I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, you, 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 I, I was concerned that you may have asked me the question, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I can that one. <laughs> well, you know, a little trivia. I like to say that on every broadcast that maybe somebody can pull away some kind of pearl wisdom, and I'm sure that there'll be more pearls coming our way. But yeah. Yeah, menopause. I mean, we're we're kind of laughing, but there are some serious things that women do experience with menopause: irregular periods, hot flashes, trouble sleeping, mood changes. I mean, I've heard about people saying that they have forgetfulness and weight gain and headaches. And then, of course, there are women that talk about sexual problems as well. I don't know if all the women that may experience these things may even know that it could be connected to menopause and it also could be connected to their lifestyle. One of the things that I think about is that when we, as women, were younger, mostly everybody is told, usually by their parents or whoever's bringing them up, they tell them about the facts of life. But somehow we don't get the knowledge and the lessons about what happens later on in life and what you need to expect. And I think going through the menopause, I think it's a big mystery for some women and they may not even realize that they're going through it because, I mean, what is the average term of menopause? How long does it last? About Would you say about five years or so? Uh, yeah, so let's say that uh, the average age of, men of natural menopause for the majority of women will be around 50, 52. So that's the average age. Uh, and that women will be, I mean, once you're there, you're there. So you're in menopause for the rest of your life. But the symptomatology related, let's say, to hot flashes, for um, probably 50% of women, it's going to decrease substantially, you know, within the first five years. But there's uh, we, will be women that tend to be symptomatic for the rest of their life. So, so you get a keep that into your mind, you know, try to understand exactly what it is that will continue being a an issue. And, you know, anxiety, sleep disturbance and all that may, may continue for a lot of women. Um, so that's that's about, you know, what I tell women because they come to see me and they say, well, if I take this, this and that, and they say, well, it improved with taking whatever because they try a lot of things. I, I usually try to be specific with them and say, hey, just the nat natural, natural history of menopause is that oftentimes the hot flashes may uh, you know, decrease substantially within the first five years without necessarily doing anything. But a lot of women will continue being symptomatic. Talking about hot flashes, we have some true or false questions. So I want to encourage the audience, I'm going to put up a true or false question for you. And you just type in your guess at your answer, whether it's true or false. And then we'll talk more about it. This one has to do with hot flashes. Every woman experiences hot flashes during menopause, true or false? So that's false because, you know, a lot of women are lucky enough. They, they do not necessarily experience in, um, hot flashes. And we, um, you know, by studying uh, different population, we've noticed that uh, women that live maybe not as much now because they're eating the same diet as us. But let's say that you compare for women that lives in Japan and China that they didn't seem to have all the hot flashes that we have experienced here. But then you realize that now that they're adopting a little bit more of our American a diet that they're starting to have more hot flashes. So that's a, that's an interesting component that allow us, you and I maybe, to eventually discuss a little bit the benefits 
of uh, eating more of a whole plant-based diet. Yeah. Well, why don't we just talk about it since we're leading into it now? Because not there may be people that are tuning in and just saw menopause and said, oh, maybe I'll get an answer here. And they may not even be familiar with the plant-based lifestyle and the benefits. So why don't we just dive into that? So, you know, um, you were right earlier by saying that a lot of women are, you know, hit the age of menopause and they don't know much about it. It's kind of, it's much better than it was. But it was kind of a, I wouldn't say taboo, but not discussed sufficiently yet, you know. So people don't feel comfortable. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a time uh, in your life that for a lot of women, it is extremely difficult. I mean, I can give multiple examples of, you know, women executives that are trying to make a presentation that suddenly break a sweat. They can't just... You know, as an example, or, or another person who's just unable to sleep. So obviously it substantially increasing anxiety uh, and therefore all the other symptoms that, that could be related to it. Um, th there's many other things we haven't discussed and we may not get to there, like the osteoporosis related to menopause, which is really related to our food intake as well. Maybe at, 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 we did discuss this, I believe, at some point. So, so you know, it's interesting that, uh, and I, I did send you an article. This is probably the, the very first time that we have uh, somebody, Neil Berner, uh, which is the uh, Physician Committee for Responsible Medicine, has finally did a study on women, you know, a randomized study. So one group of women... Uh, were put on a um, whole plant-based diet, low fat, and taking a little bit of soy, half a cup of soy. And they did that for 12 weeks, and they had a control group. So for people that don't know, control group is like, you just, you know, do your life as, as usual. And at the end of the 12 weeks, they saw that there was a substantial decrease in hot flashes, um, and, you know, that was in the order of almost 70 to 80 percent. So that, that's pretty significant. Now, what brings me to that is that I have, you know, discussed for a long time that if you are moved toward a plant food based diet, people can definitely observe that uh, they have a, a less or decrease of their heart flashes. And now we have a study that demonstrate that. So. A whole plant-based diet, you know, help with kind of managing a little bit better your estrogen level. And because of that, you don't end up having this huge drop, which your system feels as, you know, this is what triggered the hot flashes. So if you're exposed to a typical American diet, which tend to have a much higher level of fat and also the animal protein, which makes us with a high, much higher level of estrogen. Uh, and therefore, when we uh, get to the menopause time, so that means that, you, you know, when we get to menopause, our body, the ovaries, are not producing the typical eggs that usually would have been, you know, there for potential, you know, reproduction. Once this is done, then suddenly, you know, the estrogen level that you and your diet were kind of, you know, systemically go much higher. When everything goes down, it suddenly produces a lot of these symptoms. Sounds, and sounds almost like, like a withdrawal. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Absolutely. 
You're, you're, you're right on that. It's a good way to define it. So I think, you know, the most important thing, again, I want to stress the fact that women, women do not realize how important and how much they could have a better control of all these symptoms when they grow through menopause by adopting a whole plant-based diet. And that is something that, you know, as a physician, I am able to discuss and help them to, you know, kind of go through. So that that is so important and not understood very well. Right. And I wanted to tell our audience, some of them have seen you before, but I want to let everybody know that Dr. Fontaine is available for consults. She is with plantbasedtelehealth.com and you can go on their website. And if you want, they have a lot of different doctors, but if you wanted to talk to Dr. Fontaine and you were experiencing some of these symptoms, or even if it wasn't anything to do with menopause, you, you could talk with her about other things as well. But if you wanted to help tweak, maybe you're have adopted the lifestyle and you just need some tweaking done, or maybe you want to adopt the lifestyle to see if that can help you. And looks like with that study that it really has a very good chance of helping reduce symptoms. So I just wanted to break in and tell everybody about that. Yeah, I think the interesting thing on that as well um, is that when people come and say, why, why would I see a plant food based physician? You know, I, I try to help people to understand there's one thing that is good to be healthy. What we're looking at, you know, to do with uh, when you come to see us is optimal health. And when I talk about optimal health, I I, I don't want to be the typical physician that said, don't come to see me, you're not sick. Actually, I don't want you to be sick. I want to prevent that. And in order for me to do that, I need to see you to prevent disease to happen. And that's what I call optimal health. So one of those things, even for women, is to prepare them to go through menopause without being so you know, uncomfortable. So if I was to see a woman and say, well, why would I see you again? Well, you can, you know, depending of you said the situation, I would still say you see your physician and you still see me because me, I'm there to help you to gain an optimal health and stay, keep you healthy. So that's why we, you know, see uh, um, all the physician in plant-based um, telehealth and you know, are looking to help people to maintain and regain optimal health for, for all sorts of reasons. You know, obviously we like the idea that I'm the gynecologist and the specialist that could discuss the um, little bit more for the women, but you know, all the other physicians are very good. It takes a while to go through this and then you have the pre-menopause. I mean, you have the, the different phases. You want to talk about the different phases of menopause? Maybe the younger women are kind of curious. I don't know what this menopause mystery is. <laughs> yeah. so, so we were talking about, you know, the ovaries that are eventually going to, so, so we're born with a certain numbers of follicle. Everybody is born with uh, women with millions of follicles on the ovaries and all these follicles are, you know, helping us once we start the uh, period that are, you know, around 12, 13 to produce the estrogen. And then eventually when the ovaries are kind of, you know, at the end of their life um, and the follicle are not produced, then the estrogen, you know, start going down. But there's a period before, because we describe, we define menopause as no period for a period, for, for, for a year. Yeah. However, prior to this, there's a time where there's a fluctuation a little bit on the hormone, like between what we call the progesterone and the estrogen. And that fluctuation will send a signal 
that often will trigger sometimes, yes, hot flashes, but also in a lot of time that's what happened is irregular bleeding. They could be just a little bit of spotting here and there. They could be skipping month, but we also see a lot of times some very heavy bleeding. And that's usually, you know, triggered due to the fact that there's a lot of estrogen that may not be, you know, opposed by the progesterone. So progesterone is the first one that kind of go down during the time of menopause. So that sometimes we've got a little too much estrogen going on and it stimulates too much the inside lining of our uterus, which produce the period. And boom, there'll be some heavy, heavy period. So that happens. These are the kind of things that happen during the perimenopause. And, and there would be some months where there's no uh, stimulation or uh, of the um, ovaries. And therefore, there will be, you know, starting to have hot flashes. And then there'll be a few months where everything is okay. So it's just a, a, a slow progress. Some women are kind of unlucky in a sense that they start their menopause very early. So you could have women that will start their menopause at age 40. That's not very often, but we'll see that uh, once in a while. Or uh, some women that has a surgery that we call the hysterectomy, sometimes the ovaries will be removed for all sorts of reasons. I'm not going to go in detail, but removing the ovaries when they're still functioning will obviously put you in surgical menopause. And that one puts you in menopause from one day to the other. And uh, a lot of symptoms uh, would happen, especially if you're in the typical American diet. So are there any foods, I mean, we talked a little bit about soy, and just say somebody has adopted the whole food plant-based lifestyle, and they want to take it up a notch because they're maybe experiencing these different kinds of symptoms. So what would you say that they should be sure as of course we need a large variety of food that we're eating, but what would you say they should be sure to include in the things that they're eating that might be helpful? So probably the the biggest thing when it comes to the estrogen level is the fiber. Fiber is so important to be able to take, you know, the digestible, lots of things happen into your um, digestive system. So having lots of fiber will help to take some of these estrogen and kind of to make it a simple answer, like flush out the the excess estrogen. So that that is very important. And and we we say that not only for menopause, but let's say uh, women that has uh, PCOS, which is a a condition of younger women, but it's a little too much estrogen. So the fiber is huge, important. So you got to make sure that you maintain, uh, you know, lots of the uh, legumes, vegetable, um, you know, the green vegetable and lots of, uh, you know, um, food that will contain a good level of fiber. The other thing is that if you're very symptomatic, we try to encourage people to go as low as possible in the fat. So that includes being careful uh, with the oil, even if a lot of time people will think that olive oil and all these components are good. So for some women that continue being symptomatic, despite the fact that the whole plant-based, if they're still continuous having symptoms, we'll encourage to remove uh, you know, the oil uh, or some of the vegetable that may contain more fat like the avocado or, or the nuts, you know, sometimes could be so. So those are good. I'm not saying that, you know, normally don't eat avocado, don't eat nuts. But for some women, 
that continue uh, being symptomatic, we'll say fiber and decrease the oil just to see if this can be, uh, you know, helpful. Yeah, I think it's so interesting about the fiber because typically when we talk about plant-based, when we talk about fiber, we talk about the gut microbiome and about not being constipated and how the digestive system and the fiber works with the digestive system. But you're not necessarily saying, that, I mean, that's something that's important, but as far as when we're talking about menopause and the removal of the estrogen, you were not talking about the estrogen going through the digestive tract with the fiber, right? Actually, it's it's surprising, but uh, there was a, an amazing presentation that I was just telling you prior to go online uh, that I was just at the end of the, uh, I was at the conference of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and um, somebody came and present on the microbiome, which, you know, I, I've seen presentation before, uh, but just demonstrating that, yes, uh, you know, uh, the estrogen um, component could be definitely helped by, you know, using more fiber. So we think that potentially there's a little bit too much into a system that can go to the digestive system and being, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not using the right term by, by saying flushed out, um, but, you know, that could be definitely being helpful by using the uh, fiber. So I have to admit, yeah, it's a yes, yeah. absolutely. I thought also maybe that the liver was involved in purging the estrogen and that if you didn't have enough fiber, that the fiber just kept getting reuptaked, I guess, is for lack Gosh, of a You're doing a good job here, Amy. This is, this is good. So they were talking also, you know, the terms sometimes are confusing. I didn't want to come up with that, but estrobolome. So that's this, you know, level of estrogen that could be a little bit too much in your system. So it's kind of interesting to show that now they're looking at, okay, what's happening biochemistry speaking regarding the estrogen and the transportation of the, this hormones uh, is affected significantly by what we put in our body so that we can transport it more um, efficiently and, and hopefully hopefully uh, substantially decrease our symptomatology related that, that are happening during menopause. Yeah. So there again, guys, fiber, it's so important for so many reasons. And here's another reason to help regulate that estrogen. I'd like to talk now about something that may be embarrassing for some women to talk about, and they may not even think that it has to do with menopause and or if it if they know that it does they still might be embarrassed to discuss it with their physicians and that's anything as far as sexual problems or vaginal dryness so can we talk a little bit about that because I want our audience to feel comfortable hearing these things and asking questions about them and know that for example if they wanted to contact you through plant-based telehealth that they could be comfortable talking about these things with you and that you could help them out. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you're right. You're right. I think that, uh, well, first of all, even uh, even in the world of gynecology, I think that even women that comes to see, uh, you know, gynecologists, it, I have to admit it's definitely a field where women uh, might be a little bit more comfortable to discuss with another woman. Uh, so when menopause happen and the estrogen are going uh, in the lower level, um, it doesn't happen right at the moment of menopause. It's usually a little bit later and it varies from one woman to another. 
But the environment uh, around the labia, the, the, you know, around the vulva and the, the vagina, uh, are very, very um, susceptible to the lower level of estrogen, so that the mucosa, that this is this is not a skin that we have around this area, it's more like a mucosa, and this mucosa is is becoming very thin, and that's what we call dryness. And you know the lubrication that you normally would have. Uh, maybe before, you know, sex or, you know, when there's some excitement will, will not be there. And therefore, when it's time to have sex, it could be quite uncomfortable because it's, it's dry. So, so therefore, that's part of the lower level of estrogen that happened with the menopause. Right. So what would you recommend that somebody could do to, that they feel would be safe as far as that goes? Yeah, that is something that hasn't been studied, definitely, with mm -hmm. plant food based. And I don't know that it will make anything different. So, you know, the first thing is to be able to discuss it, you know, and to make sure that you rule out any other uh, pathology. So that, well, that one sometimes, you know, you, the, I've seen other um, condition that I will not discuss here that could be confused by a lot of physicians that are not used to. So I think that's very important to make sure that we don't just prescribe anything without really knowing. Um, you know, obviously, I think probably one of the easiest things that people don't think about, you can easily use some uh, lubricant uh, that are very natural. You can use coconut oil, olive oil, uh, prior to having uh, sexual intercourse. There's things over the market, but you don't even have to go there and buy things that are um, expensive. So just by using uh, these oil uh, could make it a little bit easier. If by any chance this is not helpful, this is where potentially you can think about using uh, vaginal estrogen cream for uh, women that become so symptomatic that they, uh, you know, it's very difficult for them to have uh, a sexual intercourse. So, so usually just the simple fact of using oil will make it a lot uh, easier uh, for women that experience the dryness when they have uh, sexual activity. Well, that's good to know because I think it's good for your skin body and the rest of your body to help keep it moist and soft. So that's just something that could be easily, like you said, you can just buy, you don't have to go through the expense of the other things that they put on the market that may have some other chemicals in it that probably you don't want to use anyway. No, so. no, but there's one, it is so funny because I don't want to, I'm not here to do any publicity on any yeah. more. And there's one that always make me laugh because this, this is so, it's one that women can buy. I don't know why they give that name. It doesn't make any sense, but you're going to hear it. It's Astroglide. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the world? It's like you're going to space. So it, it's funny because it made it, uh, a little bit easier to discuss that. Yes. Yeah. We'll say, well, that is so funny. So then they would open up and discuss the problem a little bit easier. So, you know, you're so right. It is such a difficult subject, you know, to discuss. Uh, women are very uncomfortable to discuss that. And they have so many other things with the menopause. They don't even think about it, especially that it hits them a few years after they had all these huge symptoms and so, so what's going on now? What, what do I have? So um, that, that makes a big difference. It's so important, you know, having a, um, you know, relationship with your partner um, just to make sure that it's not uh, too uncomfortable.
part of menopause because you have, of course, you have the sleep disturbances sometimes. And also you could maybe have some mood changes too. And so if you have a partner that you, for sex, that you could not avoid that. And that could probably help with some of the, the mood swings that you're going through as well, because that's an important part of keeping your mood happy. <laughs> you making a correlation with mood swings and the lack of sex? <laughs> I, I don't think it can hurt. <laughs> That's your opinion on that. I won't go there. That's a good one. That's what I heard, but I don't, it's not bad. It's just fun. Right. But you did talk about, and we talked about before another broadcast about lifestyle, because people say, oh, I just adopt this whole food plant-based lifestyle, and then magically everything that I've done for the previous decades will all be erased, and everything will be good, and I'll be healthy, and I won't have any menopause symptoms, and everything will be great. But what you eat is just one component of your health, what I was talking about, mood swings and, and things like that. So there may be other things that we could talk about as far as lifestyle goes that could help with those things. Yeah. So you want to kind of lo look at the different pillar of uh, lifestyle? Is that what you're, where you want to? Yeah. yeah, sure. So, so one of them that is definitely uh, helpful is, um, you know, obviously one of them is to make sure that there's no um, component like alcohol and smoking. So I won't necessarily go in there, but it does have an impact. As an example, uh, you know, when I review what triggered the menopause, the um, hot flashes, as, as an example, uh, women will come and say, uh, well, if I have a glass of wine, so, okay. So, so we have to think about those simple actions. So that's one of them. Uh, the other one that is important is that um, the exercise component. And I do believe that I will have the chance to come back to your podcast to discuss exercise because that's yeah. one of my other uh, strength, you know, I'm an exercise physiologist by background prior to my medical school. So I make sure that women, uh, you know, uh, have uh, a time where they're going to do something they like. So it's not a question of going to the gym for 30 minutes of painful exercise that they dislike. It's a question of making sure that they insert a time for movement uh, that they like. So we take time to review with them. What is it? What is it that you've done in the past that you enjoyed? Uh, what is it that you would like to do? So, and I'm trying to insert uh, the exercise component um, because it does have an impact also on the hot flashes and improving the sleep pattern. So therefore now, uh, you know, I'm not going to discuss specifically what I tell them to do for exercise and we could, but I think we're probably going to discuss that next time yeah. is the sleep. So sleep is important. And obviously uh, it's touching with, uh, you know, the hot flashes, what you eat. We actually had an amazing presentation again at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, talking about the sleep and the impact of what you eat uh, in order to help with the sleeping when you eat. So all sorts of things could be, um, you know, discussed regarding, um, you know, what you eat and helping not only with the hot flashes, but with a sleep pattern. So that is uh, very important. Um, stress. So obviously if you have anxiety and, uh, related to the, um, you know, the menopause. So that's another thing that it's all related yeah, to, to a certain extent. And then the social uh, component, which is, uh, making sure that, you know, especially people that are getting older, we tend to isolate So menopause symptoms. You may tend to isolate yourself and therefore that social component, meaning, you know, having a partner, having friends, 
uh, having, you know, the chance to go out and seeing people um, is proven to have a huge impact on how we feel and an impact on chronic disease as well. So all these, these pillar, and I have a sheet that usually I have in my, when I, especially when I was in my office, that have all the six pillar of lifestyle medicine. I said, this is, this is what is, and I would leave it there before I would even enter the room so that people have the chance to review it and potentially had already some question related to uh, the pillar. So that, that gives them a, a little bit of education at the beginning. It goes with menopause and it goes with a lot of the other things too that have to do with your lifestyle, not just eating the whole food plant-based diet, but also addressing the other pillars. And I'm glad that you covered that. And we've had some other doctors that came on and talked about some of the other pillars and you're gonna be coming back and talking about exercise and I'm really excited excited about that too. I noticed that if I do exercise, especially if I do weightlifting, and I'm not talking about that I'm doing these big heavy barbells, but I'm just some little dumbbells, but a lot of reps. And sometimes it'll make my arms kind of sore. And then when I lay down to go to bed, I kind of feel really tired <laughs> because my body is just like, wow, you had a workout today. And if you squeeze your bicep, you can kind of feel a little, little bit of soreness there. And I really feel that on those days when I do those things, I feel more like falling asleep faster than the days that I don't. It works for me. Yeah. It's, it's a good tiredness. Yes, you know, it's it not like, you know, you, you sometimes you exhausted because of whatever you've done. But usually the tiredness that is associated with movement exercise, just as like that, is like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm feeling tired and then fall asleep so much faster by by this. Uh, so that's a good uh, it's a good recipe for success. That's oh, absolutely yeah. and, and all these pillars are, you know, we talk about menopause, but of you say when we talk about optimal health. So, so we're making sure that when women or whoever comes to the plant-based health, you know, that we discuss those, um, you know, pillar and that we impact any other chronic disease because we tend, as we age, not only menopause, but a lot of time women will come and then suddenly, okay, menopause, my weight's changing. They start having other issues uh, with some of the chronic disease related to weight gain, um, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. So all of that is, is also something that is quite interesting to, to help them uh, and discuss and, uh, you know, walk the way with them and trying to, uh, you know, prevent is the best way definitely, but we can help them to reverse um, some of these conditions. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about things that you should include in your diet and you talked about some things like wine that Maybe you should think about that and that may not be something that you want to include if it's going to be giving you hot flashes and things. So some women have talked to their doctors and they talk about this hormone replacement therapy, Premarin and, and things like that. So you want to talk a little bit about that because I, I want to remind everybody that you are a physician and that yes, you do plant-based telehealth and yes, you are trying to optimize people's health with the lifestyle, but you do write out prescriptions when it's called for. Well, that that was so well said. This is perfect. This is this is a good segue to uh, introduce. You're absolutely right. Uh, so as a gynecologist, especially, and women are probably uh, maybe not aware, um, but one of the, you know, when I start, as a young physician, that was a while ago. <laughs> Every woman that was hitting menopause were on hormones. And why was it? Is that when we uh, um, achieve or when we get to menopause and our hormones decrease, suddenly 
we were so well protected against cardiovascular disease compared to men, and suddenly we're not protected anymore, and also with bones. So therefore, we thought this this is it. You know, we put every woman on, on hormones, and so at the time we were using mainly synthetic hormones that consist of of Premarin and, and also you know a progesterone that's called Provera. So th those are synthetic. And eventually, there was a, a, a study that was done. That, that's almost 15 years ago, the WHI study that had to be stopped because suddenly they realized, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, women that are on this develop a little, little bit more cancer. It was not substantially high, but it was definitely higher and cardiovascular disease. So they decided to stop. Now, when this happened, suddenly every, every physician, especially the primary care, stopped hormones. And if there was any question that women were still symptomatic, want to do something, they had to see us, a gynecologist, and they were so scared. There's a lot of studies that were done after that demonstrate that, unfortunately, that studies was not, that study wasn't done with the right population. So what they did is that they, want, they just wanted to make sure that women were in menopause. So they took women that were older than the menopause age, so they were probably more towards 60 than 50, um, a lot of them were um, with chronic disease, obese, yeah. diabetes, and therefore we may not have been the best population to yeah. be placed on hormone replacement therapy. And therefore, once you um, you know do the change and not using and do it around menopause as opposed to sixty. Then you realize that, wait a minute, the risk may not be uh, the same. And especially if you give only, you'll be surprised to hear that. If you only use estrogen and you don't use the progesterone, the Provera, then suddenly the risk of um, you know, breast cancer is not increased. So who would have thought? So if you, only, if you use estrogen, so, so the culprit here was the progesterone not the estrogen, but we're so concerned about estrogen. So I'm not trying to sell estrogen here. I want to make sure people understand, but we don't spend sufficient amount of time to try to understand all these studies. And there has to be thousands of studies to be done before you can tell that, oops, wait a minute, that, that last one was not as good as we think. So that WHI that says something is wrong was published widely was sent into the public so that women and everybody was scared. All the other studies I'm talking that were done after, they were not sent in the public and people don't know sufficiently. Now, again, I'm not trying to sell the hormones. I want to say that I encourage women and I, I teach them the importance of having a good lifestyle and a whole plant-based diet. And then there's some women that still will be symptomatic that I have to discuss using more of a bioidentical hormones. So therefore, those are capped for women that, you know, we've done all the good work before and that may need something, um, you know, as, because they're still symptomatic. The alternative medicine, like hormones and maybe black cohash. So the, the majority of these, unfortunately, don't work. Um, the studies haven't shown that it works. Usually what happens is that people use it. And you know, remember what I said at the beginning? Usually things get better within the first five years. So for some women, they're going to use these. 
and it's going to be, uh, you know, they feel that it's helpful. Uh, you know, somebody comes and talk to me and they say that they use this and it's working. I am not going to fight with them and say, you got to stop it. Um, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a physician, so I tend to look at the studies and nothing has been uh, excessively, uh, you know, proven regarding that. Now, we were talking about the study that Neil Berner just did. So he, he did not specifically study if it was the half a cup of the soy that was helping versus the whole plant-based diet. If it had been just whole plant-based diet, no soy would have been different. I don't know. But at least uh, we know that a whole plant-based diet, minimal amount of fat with half a cup of soy for 12 weeks gave some very good results. So that's the only study that we can really say, wow, some, somebody had made the effort of looking at this. So it's, it's interesting. We've got this one on our back pocket, and I can discuss it with my patient. Journal of North American Menopause Society. Correct. And I think that if you have it, I think you might put it into a link for your uh, listener. You know, maybe they'll be interested to review that. It's always fun. <laughs> Deb, can maca powder help with menopause symptoms? Mm. Well, you know, again, I don't think that maca powder had been studied a lot. Uh, you know, it's not bad. So uh, I, I, you know, it'd, be, it'd be difficult for me to say, go for it. If this is an absolute. Uh, I'm not against it. You can certainly uh, try it. But I don't think we have studies that allow us to say that this is a definite help. So I wish I could be better on the answer, but that's all I have. Can a whole food plant-based diet counteract vaginal dryness during menopause? So mm. we kind of talked about that a little yeah, bit. We, we did talk a little bit about it. I mean, it's kind of hard because again, because it happens a little bit later, the, the dryness, uh, you know, there's no studies definitely, um, but, but I don't think that it will make a big difference because of the uh, mucosa. Uh, does not receive enough estrogen. This lack of estrogen is definitely still going to be there, um, and the dryness will still be there. Well, Kathy Cook says, hi, Kathy. She wants to know, what do you suggest for osteoporosis? And we kind of talked a little bit about that osteoporosis and, and the connection to menopause, but go ahead. Sure. I, I wasn't sure. Did we talk about this in another podcast with you? We did talk about osteoporosis in another podcast. Okay. So maybe that would be good for them to have the link. But yeah. the important thing is that it's been uh, demonstrated that there, it, it, there's no studies that said that whole plant-based diet is better uh, than the typical American diet, because actually it, the, most of the studies says that our bone mass could be in the whole plant base a little bit less, but it has been shown that most likely people like, uh, you know, whole plant base have a tendency to have lower weight, which does not necessarily uh, increase your bone mass. So um, first thing is uh, calcium. We, you know, definitely need more calcium as we age. Um, because the bone osteoporosis means that, you know, the bone becomes more fragile and therefore it's important that, you know, you keep eating calcium. Now that doesn't mean that you need the calcium into the typical milk, the dairy milk. You can uh, find it in many other, um, uh, milk that we drink as a whole plant base. And some of the food that you uh, eat has lots of calcium, the green vegetable and tofu and, uh, has a sufficient amount of calcium. But if you realize, if you by any chance check what you're eating and you don't have enough, 
it might be a suggestion to be careful, you know, and take some uh, supplement into it. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing into menopause, osteoporosis, is to keep doing resistant exercise. So that is very important. That's what allows you to maintain your bone mass, to maintain a good muscle mass. And that's, you know, I don't think, I think in conjunction with a good diet, to me, the resistant exercise is, is a plus. You absolutely need to have that into your uh, daily routine. And for so many reasons, and now we have another reason. And mm-hmm. I will put a link to our conversation about osteoporosis, which was really fantastic. What do you think about the weighted vest? Uh, you know, this is same thing as resistant training for them. If it's easier for them to walk with a vest, it's, it's okay, because in itself, it does produce a little bit of weight. So I, I, I think this is a good idea. And, you know, it all depends what kind of activity you like to do. You know, if you don't want to go and, and do weight training, like you and I had mentioned, uh, you prefer to walk, it's okay to walk with a weighted vest and, uh, or even just going for a hike with a backpack and having a little bit of weight on it. Uh, I used to get myself a backpack that would, you know, fill up with lots of, uh, you know, heavy thing to get ready to, to go to Peru to do the hiking there. I say, oh, I got to get in shape. I'm going to have to, well, not that I was not in shape, but I wanted to walk with some heavy. Uh, and for that, it does make you definitely makes your uh, heart rate go and uh, it helps definitely uh, preventing. The story with osteoporosis is prevention prevention, prevention, because we do um, gain um, uh, bone mass up to about age 30. And then after that, it starts going down. So if we, and especially after menopause, because after menopause, losing the estrogen, you're even at higher risk. So you really have to implement some uh, good diet and the exercise uh, component uh, regarding osteoporosis. Okay. We have another question from Ellen. Do fibroids affect menopause? Oh, it would be more the opposite. Does menopause affect fibroids? <laughs> and, you know, the fibroids tend to be present more in women that had a higher level of estrogen. So fibroid, you know, when you think about um, what is fibroid. <laughs> so in the uterus, the uterus is, is a muscle and we call it the myometrium. So inside of this myometrium into the muscle, we sometimes can grow, um, you know, little mass that are benign. They're not, they're not dangerous, very unlikely. There's less than 1% a chance that these fibroid would be, you know, cancerous tumor. So into the muscle, you grow those little mass that could go actually very big. Most of them will be stimulated by a little too much estrogen. So Imagine when you hit menopause, then suddenly the estrogen goes a lot lower, and most of the time the uh, fibroid will shrink because they're not stimulated as much. So usually they're, they're going to become smaller um, during menopause. Okay, well, that's good to know. So Gina wants to know, are pap smears necessary after age 65? And I have to say, my mother, God bless her, she lived to the age of 91. They were trying to give her pap smears all the way up until to her 80s and 90s. <laughs> so, 
So I think that we need to know, and I think oh, the doctors need to so know the, the, uh, because the it's covered by Medicare. I'm so. sorry, I'm so sorry. Because it's covered by Medicare, so that's yeah. probably why. But anyway. So, yeah, no, no, that's an important question. And you know, the recommendation for pap smear has substantially changed within the last 10 years. So we used to do pap smear almost every year. And then, you know, eventually they came and said, you know, it doesn't make anything different. So now if somebody doesn't have any previous history, you do a pap smear and go every five years, as long as there's nothing, you know, that will suggest that there's any risk factor so we could space. It took us forever to accept yeah. that because I was so used to do PAP every year, I will admit. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, um, so even every three years was, was getting a little bit more comfortable. But but there's an age where it could be stopped. And usually after 65, you can stop doing um, you know um, PAP smear, especially if you don't have any previous history. If you do have a history of abnormal PAP smear, it all depends when it happened. But usually after 65, especially with no history, you can stop doing pap smear. And sometimes I had to stop it before because, you know, talking about being symptomatic of uh, vaginal dryness, I can tell you that for some women it is so uncomfortable you cannot even insert the instrument that we use to do a pap, a speculum. Uh, and there we had to discuss and say, you know what, you're not at risk, you've never had an abnormal pap smear. Um, I would say something very, to make it easy, the shop is closed, you have no risk factor, that's mm -hmm. it, just to make it easy. So uh, I think it's, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, as a physician, uh, you've been trained to do something for so long, it's hard to accept, okay, I got to do it differently. And that might be the reason why you're mother, um, you know, had to be tested. But again, it has changed substantially within the last uh, 10 years. So reading pap smear is so much more complicated than what it used to be. So we got to be uh, careful. We have to stay on top of the literature. Does it have to do also with being in a monogamous relationship as far as the need for it? Well, especially when you're young, and I'm not talking about, you know, obviously it's always possible to have new partner after menopause. Uh, but if you say when you're young, the more partner you have, the higher risk that you may potentially being exposed with the, the biggest agent, which is a virus that we call the human papillomavirus. That's the uh, virus responsible usually to abnormal pap smear. Uh, and therefore, um, it tends to be transmitted sexually. So don't, don't, you know, the people would get so upset when I say that. Um, but you can, you only have to have one partner who had one partner and that's sufficient if they, somebody had a HPV positive to transmit it. So that doesn't mean that because you have HPV that you had multiple partner, but it, it is uh, transmitted sexually. Now we have a question from Amber. Hi, Amber. Any suggestions for those on a whole food, plant-based, sofas-free, we'll talk about that also, diet for years, but still experience severe cramping, perimenopause, age 43. So she's not only on a whole food, plant-based diet, but she's also eliminating oil and salt and sugar and flour and alcohol. Mm. So she's good for you, Amber. Yes. <laughs> I'm sofas free also. So, so you know, to that, I, I always try to make sure that it's really a whole plant-based because I've yeah. seen a lot of people that use that term 
and sometimes we'll um, add some of the process uh, plant-based, which is not um, adequate, but looks like uh, the way she described it, she seems to be doing good. Um, there might be one more thing, is just to be careful. Again, we discussed that with the fiber. So obviously, everybody's different. And for you, you're very susceptible to the estrogen, that it keeps you know, giving you the cramp. So you, it's, it's, this, this is the estrogen level that we're trying to control and try to help you with, uh, you know, increasing uh, the um, fiber content. Uh, on the other hand, though, um, it's the same thing like with menopause. If women, despite of doing everything well and, and we, you know, check them together, then it's time to potentially discuss, you know, medication and what is it that we can do to prevent those uh, severe cramping that are produced inside the uh, uterus. That's another phenomenon, but it's usually produced by too much prostaglandin, prostaglandin that, you know, that's, that's creating the level that creates cramps. So usually we try to use some ibuprofen just prior to start your period uh, and use it for maybe the one or two days you have the cramping, and that's sufficient. So you don't want to be on a long-term um, treatment of ibuprofen because it does have an impact on your stomach. So you want to be careful with that. But, uh, you know, that's the other suggestion that as a physician sometimes will come with. That's interesting that, that you talked about taking the ibuprofen prior to having your period because... I guess it's kind of like pain medication when people have surgeries and they tell you after the surgery, they say, take it now, even though you're not, it hasn't worn off yet, you the block that we gave you, but take it now before you get the pain instead of trying to chase after the pain. Yeah, because the ibuprofen is an anti-prostaglandin. So you're basically telling your body, do not produce too much of that. Uh -huh. uh, so if you do it before, then you have a better chance to have result than if you take it well, the cramp is already there. So it takes a little bit more time. Yeah. So that's why we send that message. And would you think that being on a regular exercise program may also help? Oh my gosh, Amy, I totally forgot to mention that this is an absolute component. And thank you for, uh, you know, suggesting something that I forgot totally. I don't know. Yeah, she, I don't know to what extent she's using exercise, but yeah, you just nailed it. You got me on that one. <laughs> so important, absolutely. Yeah, somebody, I had, I think I had asked somebody what exercise that they recommended and they said the one that you'll do. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was trying to explain so nicely earlier. If you want to do something, you're like that, yeah, the one you're going to do. So it could be anything. You know, I was uh, helping a physician. I coach physician as well. And, uh, you know, she liked tap dancing. I said, oh, go for it. Yeah. Tap dancing. That seems to be amazing. So, you know, whatever works for you, it's what we want you to do. Right. And I think that they've even done studies about that, that when you're doing the exercise that you're enjoying, that you do get better results. The thing that I've done recently that I'm really enjoying is hula hooping. But we'll talk more about that when you come back and do your Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done hula hooping, but whatever works for you. Right, right. Oh, and Amber said thank you. Very helpful. I'm glad. Pleasure. 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 <laughs> So do you want to give a takeaway for the women who are going through menopause and just kind of give them something to think about? 
Yeah, I'm going to say be green with Elizabeth. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, no, but, you know, let's just be comfortable. Make sure that you take time to discuss uh, with your physician. And if not, by gosh, come and, you know, just look at plant-based telehealth. And we can substand, we really can help uh, women going through menopause. So, uh, please. Give us a call. I'll be more than happy to help you to improve your symptoms going through this. Right. And this is the kind of conversation that you can have, like the one that I'm having with Dr. Fontaine right now. And obviously, I can say all of these words to her and, and she doesn't even blink. She's used to hearing these things. And so nobody should be hesitant or embarrassed to say whatever words that you want to talk about and whatever symptoms that you're going through because you've heard it all, right, Dr. Fontaine? I have to admit. Well, I will not share, but I don't know. But you've heard, so nothing's going to surprise you or shock you and you'll be able to help people. And sometimes we just need a little hand-holding. Unfortunately, we have a conversation like this with you or one of the other plant-based telehealth docs virtually. It's a wonderful thing. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you came back. I so very much enjoy when you come on Be Green with Amy Live because you always have so much information to share with us and you're just so easy to talk to. And I think that the audience agrees with that too. I just wanted to let everybody know that Dr. Fontaine will be back and she's going to be talking about exercise because we're getting to that New Year's and, and we're going to have to be talking about that, guys, and knowing that it's going to help with the menopause and it's going to help with a lot of other things too. So thank you, Dr. Fontaine. Thank you My for pleasure. being here. I just love having you on. It's you guys that are watching and listening, why don't you type in what was your takeaway from what you heard today so that we can help others who are kind of scrolling around and they might be looking in the comments and wondering what we were talking about and you didn't, maybe didn't have time to listen or might listen later. And I want to tell everybody to stay tuned for a special announcement. I do want to thank Rebecca and she is from PKA Solves. Hi. And she was in the background helping with the broadcast. And I also wanted to thank Jess from Jess Test Voice. She did the promos and the, and the introductions and the countdown. Jess Test Voice, why don't you tell us who is coming up next? Learn how to change long-standing behaviors and habits so you can lose weight, reverse disease, and live your purpose in the world. Howie Jacobson, PhD, hosts the Plant Yourself podcast. Join us on Wednesday, November 17th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live. And I do want to thank all of you that are watching and listening and liking and sharing and helping us get this word out to the universe so that we can change the world and help other people who may not even heard about this lifestyle and who might be suffering with menopause symptoms or other lifestyle related things. So thank you all. Thank you for watching and thank you for liking and sharing. And if you want to type in the comments, because I'm going to be doing this with Dr. Fontaine. Just type in my tagline, which is be strong, be well, and be green. Are you ready, Dr. Fontaine? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>